Hello, Dan. Robin, good afternoon. I almost said good morning. <laughs> good afternoon. Welcome to the Saratoga podcast, everybody. We missed you last week. Yes, I um, is a, a five. Uh, it's going a few weeks now without a city hall meeting. Uh, I know. Five Tuesday month. So I know. I know. So the city council meeting, just for those who don't know, it's the first and third Tuesdays of the month. So it'll be next Tuesday. I hope everyone had a good Memorial Day weekend. Dan, did you have a restful weekend? Restful? No, but a good one. I mean, uh, that weather was every single day was was just terrific. Uh, We got out every day. We had something we somewhere we had to be, something we had to do. One of them involving a kids party at the movie theater which was a new twist for me. I don't know if you've done that before, but a kid's birthday party, you go and you have your pizza and then you go in and see the movie. So it's oh, yeah. kind of neat, neat thing. So I, I have my most recent movie that I've seen on this planet is now the little mermaid. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I know those songs by heart, but from, you know, the nineties, I'm a, I'm a nineties product of a Disney, you know, little mermaid. Okay. I don't know. Well, but this we is the, new, the newest version of it. I know. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Although I have no one in the household who wants to go see it with me. So you may have to come back and see it with me again. But uh, we digress. Well, my daughters may want to go. I'll, I'll, I'll let you borrow them for an hour or two. That sounds perfect. <laughs> so we have lots to talk about today. And unfortunately, Adam's not with us. Adam, we miss you, buddy. Um, but uh, we have lots to talk about today. And we have a very special guest that we're excited about, um, which is Commissioner Jim Montanino. He'll be joining us very shortly. Um, Commissioner Montanino, we've been hoping to have on for a while, so we're really excited to have him on today. And there was big news that came out of City Hall yesterday, which was the appointment of a new police chief. And so we're really looking forward to talking to Commissioner Montanino about that news. And um, we will get into that. I actually see him here. So if we want to jump into that right away, Dan, does that work for you? And then we can hop yes, into some but, of But before we, we bring the commissioner on... Um, uh, I don't know, uh, Lieutenant McIntosh, you do. Could you yes. give a little bit of your personal viewpoint of 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 the pick and, and him as a person and him as a leader? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, so it's actually like it really comes like full circle for me because um, uh, Officer McIntosh at the time, uh, way back in 2019, when I first contacted the police department, Um, I was setting up a ride along. I was campaigning to become public safety commissioner and he was my point of contact to set up my ride along. And I had no idea who I was emailing or who I was going to be going in to meet. And I was like, pardon my French, but scared shitless. Cause you know, it was like my first kind of interaction with the police department. And I was just like really nervous and didn't know who I was going to be dealing with. And he just couldn't have been lovelier. He couldn't have been more professional. And it was the first time, you know, I I didn't go out with him on my ride along, but he was the person who facilitated the whole thing. And he just couldn't have been more professional. He couldn't have been more welcoming. And it was kind of my first entree into the police department. And then he was deployed. Um, He went out on deployment. So he was gone for some time. Um, And I was just incredibly impressed with his military background and his service to our country. And, you know, those kind of skills that you bring back in terms of leadership and bring those back to the department, I just think there's such added value there. And um, I could really see those leadership abilities and how he brought them back and utilized them in his career in the police department and, you know, rose to the ranks of the police department in, in utilizing those um, skill sets. And I just think he's, a, he's an incredible talent and I think he'll be a great leader. And um, I think he was an excellent choice as chief. 
Um, but I think there's a lot that needs to be explained to the public about how the process works in terms of civil service. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk to Commissioner Montanino about, because I think there's been a lot of unfair criticism leveled by specifically Saratoga BLM. And I think that context here is really important, um, especially when it comes to describing how people are promoted and why. So um, those are some of the things I, I definitely wanted to talk to you, Commissioner Montanino about. And, but, and, and um, just, I'm sure 99% of our viewers know what we're talking about, but just to, just to be clear, it was yesterday they announced Lieutenant McIntosh will succeed retiring Chief uh, Shane Crooks. Uh, was retiring uh, a June 30th date. Often that means they leave earlier because they have some leave time that they uh, uh, need to use and so forth. Um, so this was kind of a... Uh, uh, momentous news in the city. That's a big deal. And he, his, his qualifications, I'm going to steal a little bit of Commissioner Montanino's thunder here, but his, his qualifications are just stellar. Now, mm -hmm. I admit, as, as an old cop, he's, um, he's an experienced veteran, but he's still a young, young. relatively speaking, for the chief's position. And I, th that's not to cast any negativity on it, but it, it's, it's noteworthy. And maybe I'll, I'll uh, uh, bring that up as an open topic with, with the commissioner when he comes on, but it's just, <laughs> it's just noteworthy. He's probably the youngest chief. I got to think in Saratoga Springs history, or he will be well, when he's officially appointed. I got to say, Dan, I was 39 when I started as commissioner of public safety. And when I was with the um, officers on patrol, I literally felt like I was the mother. Like I've never felt older being being out on patrol with the police officers. I was like, holy cow. I literally brought out all my maternal instincts. So, you know, we have a younger group. And and so I think it's um I, I think it's actually great that we have someone who's uh, a little bit on the younger side. And I think because of his tremendous experience, you know, both in Saratoga, but also um, out on deployment, I think he's got a real maturity level that and a gravitas that kind of offsets what people might associate with, you know, just his numerical age. So, and, and I think it's also great that we have someone who could really grow with the department and hopefully be the chief for, you know, the long haul. A, a, a very good point. And be, before we bring the commissioner on, I also want to mention, uh, uh, you know, it's all, it's all about the new guy, but uh, Shane Crooks has guided this department. He's led this department through what had to be the most tumultuous time. I, I can't yeah. speak for 1925, but from what I know about this history, the last few years, and you were there for part of it, uh, Commissioner Montanino there for part of it the most tumultuous time for the city and certainly the police department, policing in general. Uh, he, he goes off to a well-deserved retirement. Maybe we can reach out to him in the coming weeks before he uh, is officially uh, uh, retired and maybe uh, interview him before he, he goes for good. Cause, cause he, uh, I have a lot of respect for him. I have a, I like will get emotional if I talk about it. So I, I, it's hard because I just, he has such a special place in my heart and we did go through so much together and I just, have so much respect and adoration for Chief Crooks and actually texted him the other day. I'm like, Chief, I'm like, you make me cry like you're an ex-boyfriend. I'm like, <laughs> because the thought of you leaving is just, you know, it just, again, it breaks my heart um, to see him leave. But, you know, he's he's retiring and, you know, he only has good things ahead and he has done such tremendous things for our community. And, you know, I thank him so much for the years and years and years of service he gave Saratoga Springs. So, um, yeah, nothing but love for Chief Crooks, certainly. Right. Um, so, should we bring in the commissioner? Well, sure. Go ahead. All right. Commissioner Montanino, hello. Hi. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me here. 
No, we appreciate it. I know uh, it's been a long time coming and, and I was thrilled to hear that you were coming on today and also especially thrilled um, to have you on with this, you know, really exciting announcement. Yeah, it, it's really wonderful news. I mean, our, our, our new chief has such an incredible resume and I was listening to you earlier and uh, as, as Dan said, he stole a little bit of the thunder with talking about his credentials. Uh, I, I can't imagine looking at uh, Lieutenant McIntosh's resume that a person that young can have accomplished so many things in, in, in one very short span on the planet. Uh, remarkably accomplished person. And, and as you mentioned, Robin, you know, as an individual, he's just aces, uh, just a, a genuine, warm human being. Uh, when you talk to anybody else in the department, they, they look up to him. Uh, I, I heard an anecdote recently that uh, when he was in the academy, there were people joking with him about how long is it going to be before your chief, uh, that people recognized his leadership skills immediately. And Commissioner, if I could jump in and, and uh, sort of put you on the spot to, from memory, but I think you'll know some of this. We, uh, for those that didn't get to read the articles in the, either the Gazette or the TU, and I believe the Saratoga eventually got an article up, um, could, could you list some of his his uh, qualifications for us? Uh, they are they are really impressive. Well, I mean, certainly on uh, in, in terms of his educational background, he has a bachelor's degree summa cum laude. He's got a master's degree in public administration that he earned while a police officer. Uh, he's currently at the FBI National Academy and will be graduating in about a week. So, you know, in terms of the the smarts, uh, you know, he's an extremely intelligent individual and, and has worked very hard to further his education, even while working a full-time job and a, a military career as a, as a member of the National Guard. Uh, his, his military, uh, he's got, at my count, 23 separate medals and commendations. Wow. He was deployed to active duty in Iraq. He's been in Kuwait. He's been in... Uh, Puerto Rico for uh, Operation Maria in the aftermath of the hurricane. So he's he's been deployed worldwide and he's seen really tough situations. Uh, in in fact, if I could if I could share another anecdote that I learned from Chief Crooks uh, back when I was interviewing uh, Lieutenant uh, then Sergeant McIntosh for Lieutenant, uh, Chief Crooks told me about an exercise that all of the officers do. It's an active shooter drill and they use an abandoned building. And part of the drill involves someone firing blank rounds in a stairwell. And the chief says that ordinarily, even the most seasoned police officers jump like basketball players when they hear that shot go off with the echo reverberating in the stairwell. Uh, chief Crooks happened to be there when uh, then Sergeant McIntosh was undergoing this training. And Chief Crooks said, when the shots were fired, you would have thought that Tyler was sitting on the beach sipping iced tea. <laughs> that he, he, he betrayed no change in his demeanor, uh, which, which indicated that he had been through far worse real experiences than that, and also indicated that he had the kind of qualities of, uh, you know, that, that kind of temperament that keeps his cool even when things are exploding around him. So, so that, that made a big impression on me. And you know, even going back to the, the little things, uh, last year we had the first uh, 
award ceremony since the pandemic began. And uh, then Sergeant, no, I'm sorry, he had just become Lieutenant, then newly, newly minted Lieutenant McIntosh volunteered to take charge of the organization of the event. And there were dozens of different commendations being given to a bunch of people, some active, some retired. And he had the entire thing so flawlessly organized, it was just remarkable to see. Every step of the way, the location of every individual, the location of every one of the awards, everything worked flawlessly. And it impressed me because here's a person who has such an attention for detail, even in the small things, that, that there's nothing that he's above. And uh, right immediately upon Lieutenant Gilson's retirement, Lieutenant McIntosh volunteered to take the reins of the accreditation process, which is the kind of thing that involves some real <laughs> micromanagement of details, uh, the kind of stuff that we would find boring, you know, uh, evidence storage and retrieval and uh, document uh, retrieval, that kind of stuff. Mm. And he, you know, is the person who doesn't wait for somebody else to take over, he takes over himself. That's that's yep. phone book thick, right, Commissioner? The 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 things for accreditation. It's it's not just a two page sheet of checkoffs. It is a phone book of, oh. of documents and, and and orders and so forth. Correct? Yeah, yeah. You're right, Dan. In fact, to, to give you some to some context there, Schenectady is an accredited police agency. They have three officers working full time just to maintain accreditation. It, it's it's wow. that labor intensive because there are so many different. Uh, pieces of information that have to be organized and reported on and accounted for. So this, it's a major undertaking. Uh, maybe still like, well, this is maybe both of you can answer this. So he's at the FBI school now for what, what, uh, is it a course? Is it a, what is he got uh, it, there? It, it's a multiplicity of courses. It's basically, uh, it, it's leadership training. It's, it's, going deep diving into many aspects of law enforcement at, at you know, the, the top levels. Uh, That's he's awesome. being taught by the best trainers. Uh, I, I believe it's a four month curriculum and he's, wow. uh, he's just about done with that. And it's That's pretty good. intense from what I understand. It's not just simple sit in a classroom. Uh, the, as I understand, there, there's, there's, there, there's physical training uh, and, and things like that. It's got the academy feel to it. That's yeah. fantastic. Well, I feel like, you know, all of the experience that you just described really as, as some people, because I think the only, I mean, I wouldn't even call this criticism, but the only observations that I've, you know, heard people make uh, would be about his age and, you know, being a bit young. But I think the experiences you're, just, you're describing, I mean, it, you gain so much maturity and so much perspective when you've seen the world that way, you've experienced what he's experienced in combat when you've taken, you know, the, the level of education to where he's taken it. I mean, it's just all creates such an incredibly impressive package. Um, yeah. yeah I think as, as I mentioned, one of the important things too is, is the esteem that he has from the men and women that he works with. Uh, I, I remember when we did the interviews for his promotion to Lieutenant, there was a person with more time on the force, one of the sergeants who was in line for the promotion. And I called that person to say that Tyler had, had gotten the position. And that person's response was, was remarkable because what, you know, they said, it, it doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, you know, he's just head and shoulders above everybody that, that, 
this was a person who had been passed over mm -hmm. for promotion, but was was genuine enough and, and uh, yeah. honest enough to say, this is a person who really stands out. Hmm. Now, Commissioner, can you speak, because this has been like so frustrating for me, um, Saratoga BLM specifically has been super critical of who you had been interviewing for police chief. And the way they've characterized it has been, you've just looked around the police department and decided you're going to pick these two or these three, three people as candidates for police chief, just based on your own personal preference. And it, there seems to be this whole missing context of civil service and the civil service system and how it works. And basically, you know, people don't seem to understand that we have a civil service system that's put in place that uh, basically you have to qualify to take a test. And it's basically put in place to eliminate nepotism and favoritism and to eliminate a system in which a commissioner could just pick personal favorites or, you know, nepotism uh, to promote people. It's a way to make things fair and equitable. And you have to um, score and be on the top, you know, uh, top three highest scores. And you're given a list from civil service as to who you can choose to interview for these promotions. And so you're restricted to a list of people. So could you, could you just explain this a little bit more so that people understand uh, how these choices are made and who you're able to um, interview for these promotions? Right. Well, you know, you've, you've said it perfectly because obviously you, you, you were commissioner of public safety and you made numerous appointments and promotions in the fire service as well as in the police department. So you, you know the system as well as I do, I'm sure. Uh, as you say, there's, there's an exam. And it's a promotional exam, the way the system is currently set up, which means that you have to be in the Saratoga Springs Police Department in order to sit for the exam. And you need a certain number of years of experience as a sergeant or a lieutenant before you can sit for the chief's test. And only the top three scorers, they have to, they have to be three people at least who passed the test for there to be a valid list. So in this case, there were three people. It was uh, Lieutenant McIntosh, it was Sergeant Beach, Paul Beach, and it was Lieutenant uh, Bob Gilson, who were the three when the list first came out. So there was a, a legitimate eligible list from which the appointment must be made. Now, there I, in, in full disclosure, there was a change in that Lieutenant Gilson retired. So that left two names on the list of three. So an appointment of either of those two individuals would be a permanent appointment from a valid list. Right. But there would have been an option, which is rarely used when there are people on the list. But, but under the law, I could have made a provisional appointment. Now, there's an asterisk there because another chief's test was administered back in February and the results aren't out yet. Mm. But the same people took that most recent test. So Lieutenant McIntosh took the February test and right. Sergeant Veach took the February test. Right. And I believe also Lieutenant Warfield and uh, Lieutenant Mitchell. Okay. So again, all people in the Saratoga Springs Police Department, because we are still promotional, we're not open competitive. Uh, and so at some point down the road, there will be scoring of that exam and there'll be a release of a list, but it's only going to be one of those four names any, anyway. Right. Now, 
there, there would have been a theoretical possibility of, of, you know, out of thin air making an appointment, a provisional appointment of somebody who's not on that list. But that, first of all, wouldn't have been valid because then when the test results come out, it's not going to include this hypothetical other person. Right. Uh, and again, you know, getting back to the point that we are limited by the current rules to promotional appointments. So it has to be somebody in the department. And pretty much the upper echelon of the command staff are, are all part of that pool. So you know, I, I remember you're, you're referring to the uh, February 7th uh, city council meeting, which was the first of the two meetings that have been shut down by BLM. Uh, they, they took the position that I had picked these names basically out of thin air. Yes. And, and, and that the word they used was elected. That, that the new chief would be elected from among the three names that I picked. Correct. And, and you're absolutely right, Robert, that I had nothing to do with the picking of the names. That's the civil right. service test that's governed by applicable law. So. And can I, I'm sorry, one real quick follow-up, Dan. So hypothetically, because I don't actually know <clears throat> what would happen, but if hypothetically you had decided to name someone not in the department, if you just decided to go rogue, and name some other police officer who was from some other department, would there not be like legal action taken? I mean, like what, what would have been the consequences of that? Oh, well, well, I think the consequence would have been pretty immediate that, that any of the people in the running for the position as a promotional uh, appointment would have standing to bring a lawsuit and right. say, you, you can't just go off the list and, and right. pull somebody out of nowhere. Right. Uh, now, I had discussed going back as far back as February of 22 uh, with the Civil Service Commission, the possibility of having open competitive exam for police chief and fire chief. And I brought it up in February of 22 and I brought it up again in June of 22. And at the request of the Civil Service Commission, I actually prepared a draft job spec for that. Uh, but up to now, civil service hasn't chosen to adopt uh, an open competitive system for the selection of chief. And therefore, at this point, it's not on the table. I, I would, I mean, I personally would love, this is not exactly what you're getting at, but I personally would love to, there was years ago, there was a three-person committee that was appointed to work with civil service on basically getting the test information and the civil service, civil service announcements for hiring um, firefighters and police officers on an entry level, getting that information out to different areas, to schools, to different communities, to kind of broaden the audience that that information was going to. Um, much like when we're campaigning, how we say, you know, we have to go to where people are, get to where people are at. And I think I would love to see that kind of an effort that maybe that kind of a committee be reestablished so we could broaden the pool of um, prospective candidates because that information is really dense, you know, when, when civil service announcements are put out. And so the way people and the way people consume information is so different nowadays. I think it would be kind of a, I think it would be an interesting effort to put together that kind of committee and, and work on how we're disseminating that information and where we're disseminating it to, but yeah. conversation for another time. Well, no, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's always timely, Robin, and I'm glad you brought it up because it, it's, it's a wonderful idea. Uh, do you think back, we had a situation about a year ago where we were in desperate need of 9-11 uh, dispatchers. Yeah. And, and we had an exam that was upcoming 
and we didn't have more than a handful of people signing up for the exam. Right. And Mark Mulholland of Channel 13 actually did a little piece where he said, you know, hey, Saratoga Springs is looking for dispatchers. It's it's fascinating work. It's interesting work. It's public service. It's it's first responder. You know, the, the governor issued an executive order recognizing 9-11 dispatchers as first responders. And Mark's little piece on the news program actually brought 47 applicants forward. Wow. So we ended up, as, as you point out, you know, if, if the word gets out broadly enough, uh, then we can, we can get more people applying for the entry level kinds of positions. Yeah. Uh, Which you have one right now, right? The, the police department, the officer exam is, is uh, currently, you're currently accepting uh, applications to take the test, correct? Yeah, yeah, we're 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 beating the bushes for that. In in fact, we uh, we are short uh, for the July Academy. We had reserved ten slots for the Academy from the current crop of applicants, and we had seven conditional offers, and that's been winnowed down somewhat by the uh, by the psych evals and the medical evals and so on. So we're actually short the number of officers we need to get to full staffing that we're actually financed for. So, Which is uh, never good because it's, it's one of those things, which I know, you know, Commissioner, it's like, if you don't keep filling the pipeline, uh, you end up in a bad spot. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and what we don't want to do is lower our standards. No, yeah, definitely we, not. We, we, we did pass on some candidates who passed the exam, but just didn't meet the, the qualities that, uh, you know, we look for in the screening process. You, you, you know from your experience yeah, how, yeah. how detailed the uh, the screening process is for, oh, yeah. for police and firefighters both. And I think it's one of our biggest points of pride as a department that we have higher standards than so many departments in our area. I think that's really one of our biggest points of pride. Um, have with the budget season coming up. Um, is it a consideration to, especially with the surplus that the city we have, according to Commissioner Songby, have you considered potentially reinstating the assistant chief position to support our new chief moving forward? Uh, that, that's a really, really good question. And we, we have been in meetings with the command staff and we are, we are planning to do some reorganization in, in that regard. Uh, I don't want to commit to anything yeah, in particular, absolutely. but you know, there, there is a need for someone at the top. Uh, basically, you, you know from having been here, right? The collective bargaining agreements for the upper echelon in the police department uh, create a situation where most of the people in charge are working day shifts Monday to Friday. Mm -hmm. and, and that leaves the, uh, the people able to make decisions on the fly uh, short on the weekends and uh, at nighttime. So we're looking into a way of having someone, we, we now have lieutenants working in, in the evening and, and night uh, mm -hmm. shifts, but we'd like to have something where somebody, uh, whether it's going to be an assistant chief or a captain, uh, both of which positions have existed in the past. Yeah. Some, someone, uh, I'm, I'm leaning more toward the, uh, the patrol angle of things rather than the administrative stuff. Right. You know, certainly you need the chief for, for policy determinations and, and for communication with the public and those kinds of things. Uh, but we, we really need someone uh, at the upper level who's available 
24-7 and, and better still actually on duty most of the time on those peak periods, those, you know, those Friday and Saturday nights on Caroline Street in the middle of the summer. Sure, that's sure. Where, where you want somebody able to make command decisions quickly and, and be there on the spot. Sure. Right. Hey, um, I, I want to jump back to BLM that, that Robin brought up. Um, in both articles that I mentioned earlier, uh, Lexis uh, Figueroa had a quote, and I'm going to read it. It's a slap in the face, Lexis Figueroa said Tuesday. It's a way to incite us. It's a political move. Now, obviously, if you know me, I vehemently disagree with his comment, but he and many others in the BLM movement obviously believe that. Uh, and uh, what, what, if anything, will you advise the, the new chief or direct him to establish a dialogue uh, and or a relationship with uh, uh, those members of the BLM movement who've been, you know, beyond vocal. Well, you know, you, you raise a couple of very, very good questions there, Dan. And Chief Crooks tried on multiple occasions, yeah. and I'm sure, Robin, you can confirm this. Oh, yeah. Multiple occasions to invite Lex and BLM to conversations. They they never wanted to take him up on the offer. The previous council, right? The previous city council appropriated thirty thousand dollars for private yeah. mediation services. They refused to participate. Yeah, uh, and, they, and, they don't want to talk. And to you know, to, to me, Dan, I think I think one of the most important things that that people have to recognize is BLM to this day insists that. Tyler McIntosh and others at the scene murdered Daryl Mount. They executed Daryl Mount. Uh, it, they, they repeat this over and over again. One of the cornerstones of my campaign was I promised a report on the Daryl Mount case. And I delivered on that promise in the second month in office. I issued a 37-page report based on sworn testimony available in the public domain from the civil lawsuit, as well as the police reports that were filed publicly and filed with the civil lawsuit. And I went through 37 pages of analysis. There are four civilian eyewitnesses, not even counting the police officers, four civilians with no connection to law enforcement whatsoever, who saw Daryl Mount on the ground in the alley. One of the four actually saw him jump from the scaffolding to the fire escape and then lost his grip on the railing and fell to the alley. So four civilians who've testified under oath that we were there and he was face down unconscious on the ground before any police officers arrived. And, and so to me, the, the issue is, is it's closed. And the claim that he was murdered is a lie. And the mere fact that the lie gets repeated over and over again is not going to give it any traction. I'm, I'm disappointed that the civil lawsuit is still pending. I mean, yeah, it, why, it, Jim, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Why, it seems crazy to me that it's taken so, it's just been years and years and years. Well, some, some of it is the problem of the pandemic. The pandemic right. kind of kicked two years out of our history. Right. And another thing that occurred was the city had filed a motion for summary judgment back in December of 2019. Right. And in the ordinary course, that would have moved the ball forward. But right around that time, 
there was the repeal of civil rights law 50A. You remember right. this, I'm sure, where yeah. the disciplinary records of police officers were no longer shielded. And that allowed the plaintiff's attorney to make a successful motion to reopen the discovery phase of the litigation. And there were some questions that the medical examiner refused to answer during his deposition that the judge said should have been answered. So the judge reopened discovery for those two different reasons. And that extended the lawsuit into the pandemic. And then things, of course, went the way they went. Right now, the city has renewed its motion for summary judgment. Uh, I haven't looked recently. I know that the deadline for the filing of plaintiff's opposition papers was originally late April. And I believe that may have been extended either on consent or by court order. Uh, I'm, I'm, I haven't looked recently. I think that plaintiff should, if they haven't already, they're about to be filing their opposition papers. And the summary judgment motion is going to be critical in the determination of whether the case goes to trial or just gets dismissed. So, but it's Maybe. been nine years since that lawsuit was filed. Yeah, which is just it's which is just bad for all parties. You know, it's just it's bad for everybody. But may I just also make one statement in regards to Dan's question about um, encouraging the chief to establish a dialogue with BLM. Els Figueroa has made it abundantly clear that his end goal is to abolish the police entirely. That's his end goal is to have no police. And so between calling our police department murderers repeatedly, between est establishing his goal of abolishing the police department entirely, I, I don't see I don't see any reason why our police department should be in communication with him at all. I mean, I, I just I just don't. And I think that if the commissioner of public safety wants to have a dialogue with Els, go right ahead. But I don't see any reason why the police department should feel compelled to try to establish a dialogue with someone who doesn't believe in their existence entirely. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. No, you know, it, it's it's an excellent point, Robin. One, one of the 50 points of the 50 points that the police reform task force had recommended involves increasing contact with the community. Uh, and the, the, the reality is our police department has enormous areas of outreach with all segments of the community. And I don't hear anybody other than BLM complaining about the quality of our police force, the approachability of our officers. You know, when, when you talk to the parents of kids in our public schools and they talk about the SROs, everybody just gushes. Uh, we had a situation only a week or two ago where the newly appointed SRO for the elementary schools came to the assistance of a seven-year-old who was obviously physically injured. Yeah. And it turned out that uh, his mother had beaten him with a, uh, a plunger handle. And, and the, the SRO went with him to the hospital. Uh, he had to be transferred from Saratoga Hospital to Albany Med because Albany Med has a child trauma center. Our SRO followed the child to Albany Med. And I'm told that the child asked the SRO to stay at his bedside, and and the officer did. I mean, his 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 overtime request was immediately granted. He stayed with that kid until ten o'clock at night, 
and, and saw the kid a couple of days later when the kid was out of the hospital that had been placed with foster care. And, you know, they had this great reunion. Uh, it, it just a, it's a wonderful area for relationships to get built and yeah. for the police to do the job of protecting and serving that they do. And, and, and you know, I, I don't hear anything but praise from all the other sectors of the community uh, except for the BLM. And, and well, they just, you know, yeah, they, I, they I, scream I, and they holler and they shut down meetings. I, I just need to jump in here. Um, and I don't disagree with too much of what you're saying. And if BLM simply will not sit down, I get it. But if there's an opportunity for somebody within the public safety uh, uh, chain in the city to have a cup of coffee with someone from BLM, they're a force in this city. And lately, they've been a disruptive force. I don't think ignoring them is going to make them go away. If they ignore us or if yeah. they ignore, you know, the police I, I guy things, I'm talking like a police officer. I totally agree. Um, but you have to look at And so be it. But I, I still think if there's an opportunity there to have dialogue. But, so, I, you know, yeah, I, 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 but it's been three years of trying to have dialogue at, at th every which way. And if you look at three years and two different city councils and no one from BLM is willing to sit down with anyone from the police department or anyone in the public safety department and have a cup of coffee. I mean, I've I offered I mean, anywhere, anytime. I'm willing to talk anywhere, anytime. Same with our police department. And it was turned down every single time. And I'm hearing the same thing from Commissioner Montanino. And it, it, then at some point, is it this side that's the problem or is it the other side that is professing to want to talk but isn't sincere in what they're saying? If, if that's well, the case, well, I, I know, get it. And by, by dialogue, I don't mean capitulate. They're flat out wrong on a lot of the things. And Commissioner, uh, kudos to you for saying this. The quote was, uh, repeating a lie is not going to make it true. Good for you for saying that. That was emphatic. I, I'm, I'm a thousand percent with you on that. And if they won't sit down, I get it. I just don't know. You two are, uh, we're, we're, you know, you, you were inside, Robin, Commissioner, now you're inside. You've got a better viewpoint than I do. They're, they're um, only interested in I'm doing, not saying capitulate. They are they're flat out wrong. They're only interested in doing it performatively. They're only interested in having a, a, a doing something performatively at a city council meeting, screaming back and forth, um, having me come out in the middle of a protest and screaming at me at a bull in, with a bullhorn. Um, there, there's, there was never any interest in actually sitting down at a room at a table and having a conversation that would be productive. Even when there was a, a mediator involved. I mean, there was every excuse under the sun, but I mean, truly, I, I mean, I tried so many times. It was embarrassing. Honestly, it was embarrassing. Well, you, you know, for, for me, there was something of an epiphany when the Civilian Review Board had their inaugural meeting. There was one BLM supporter who sat in the back of the room, nobody else. And exactly. I was amazed because for years they were pounding the table saying, we want a CRB. Yep. And that was one of the 50 points that, Robin, you know full well, uh, the previous city council adopted in principle only. Well, and I they were infuriated that it was only in principle. And I ran on a promise to get the CRB up and running. And, and I wrote the ordinance that created the CRB. It passed unanimously in the city council in May of 2022. It took a long time for the council to appoint the members of the CRB. But my point is, 
if they really wanted the CRB, I would have thought they'd be there in force chanting and singing and, and, and applauding that we finally got what we wanted. And they weren't there. Jim, there's so... Yeah, what that said to me was, we just want whatever you happen to be telling us we can't have today. It happened over and over again, Jim. Like I, you know, the when Commissioner Golub was appointed and then elected to the city council and they've been looking for representation for people of color on our city council, there was no one to be had in the audience when he was being appointed, when he was first there. There, there was not not a soul from BLM there supporting that appointment, supporting his election. That, there was there was nobody there, and I thought again again you know, go, go back to February seventh. They were criticizing Commissioner Gollum, and he was sitting there saying, "I, I was co-chair of the police reform task force. I wrote the fifty points. Why are you keeping this on me?" I know he 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 and I wrote a version of a civilian review board that they completely you know trap. I mean it, it just again I, I I couldn't agree more. It's when push comes to shove, when the real work is getting done, when the real work is getting accomplished, there's there's no one to be found. And and you're just like mystified. But when they're gonna have a protest because you know the murder of Tyree Nichols and you're not there for that, they're furious. But that's not actually affecting change in our community. That's not affecting the goals that they profess to want to achieve in our community. And so again, it's just all feels so performative and none of it feels like they want to do legitimate work to achieve policy change or legislative goals. And, and so, yeah, it all rings totally hollow to me. And I, 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 I share your sentiments. Okay. I think, uh, well, I think we've taken a lot of your time, yeah. Commissioner, I know. I'm sorry? I know we've taken a lot of your time, Commissioner. No, 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 I, I thank you for it. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little disappointed, I guess, that we seem to be in agreement on so much. <laughs> I'm sure we can come up with something to fight if I'm you want to fight. About that, no, how, how is, uh, is morale in the police department going into the summer? Because I know you're about to hit your very busy season. Well, I, I, you know, one of the nice things is, as I mentioned, that, that you know, Tyler McIntosh is adored by the people that he works with. And, and they're really, really pleased at, at this choice. So morale is really high. Uh, we've, we've got some really good people who are new to the force, who are doing exceptionally well, recently got off of their field training and so on. Uh, there's, there is that kind of butterflies in the stomach that people have with the summertime approaching because you know they don't know, or are we going to see some problems that we did a couple of years back? But in, to answer the question directly, I mean, morale is 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 through the roof. It, it's it's superb. Great. That's we, great. Got, you, you know, we've got we've got a fantastic department. We do, we do. And, yeah, and in systems that allow outsiders to become chief, that is often a morale killer. Sometimes it's needed for certain departments, but it is it is almost invariably a morale killer when you bring someone that has no connections to the department, especially from like you know six states away, uh, that could destroy morale. Good, good point, Dan. Well, yeah. yeah, I often feel that's usually done when like the department's really gone left or, you know, just gone awry and, and so a chief needs to be brought in to kind of like get everybody back on track because the department's, I mean, that's in my experience, that's usually when outside police chiefs are brought in. But, um, well, I will be 
right down, you know, I live right on Lower Caroline Street. So I've got my finger on the pulse in terms of uh, when things get out of control on Caroline. So I'll be, uh, my eyes and ears will be open this summer and, and um, hopefully things will stay quiet. But so far, so good. I will say things have been, you know, I, this, uh, these, this last week in Memorial Day, things were getting a little noisy and I was feeling that kind of, that kind of craziness in the air, but everything was tamped down and the police presence was great. And the bars seem to be communicating really, really well, um, which is great. I think the bars, um, I, I, something's happened in the last year where the bars really seem to be just really a lot more buttoned up, I think. Um, yeah, well, you know, Lieutenant McIntosh has been point person on a lot of that with, yeah. the, you know, the downtown committee. He, he's been participating in that. Uh, where um, bar owners getting together and communicating. Quick question, was there, I, and forgive me, because I'm not sure if this ever went to a discussion and vote or if it was just a discussion. What ended up happening with the um, uh, the agenda item that you brought with the guns and the uh, being like drunk or high and uh, carrying a gun and that that agenda item? That was, that was on for discussion only at the last meeting. Okay. It's on for discussion and vote as well as public hearing for the June 6th meeting. Do you expect that to pass? Uh, I, I expect it to. There, there, there may be some relatively minor changes to it mm. uh, in, in this sense. The, uh, the, the research I've done, the, the question that Tony Izzo brought up at the last council meeting uh, that he didn't know the answer to, but he brought up the question, uh, the question of state preemption of gun control. Mm. And one of the things I, I, I may change some of the language, a uh, couple, of, couple of areas. Uh, a former member of law enforcement called me with a couple of very good suggestions. So one of which was to add the word vessel to the definition of public place, because as you know, we have, we have the shoreline of, of part of the lake, uh, which is part of our jurisdiction. Uh, but the other thing also was when someone nowadays is, a, is a, a arrested for a crime, there's a notification made by DCJS to the licensing authority if the, that person has a pistol license. Oh. So the suggestion is that uh, the, the way the ordinance, the proposed ordinance is drafted, it's after conviction that there's a notification made. The suggestion is that it should be done at the time of the citation for the violation. Uh, but, but the substantive change that I'm thinking about is just changing the order of some of the language to make it clear that we're not restricting the possession of a firearm. What we're restricting is publicly, being in a public place in an impaired or an intoxicated condition if you are in possession of a firearm. So for example, New York City has a provision in its administrative code that doesn't prohibit public drunkenness, but it prohibits public drunkenness under circumstances where the individual is a danger. Hmm. So this would be a classic example of that, right? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with staggering down Caroline Street at 2 a.m. on Friday. Right. But if you're staggering down Caroline Street with a loaded revolver on your hip, now right. you're a risk. It's a different story. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I may tweak the language a little bit so that it's clear that the focus is not on regulating gun possession, but on regulating the circumstances under which a person can be impaired or intoxicated publicly. 
Gotcha. But that's well, coming. It'll be up for vote on the 6th. I mean, it seems to me, I mean, I don't have a super strong opinion about it one way or the other, but it seems to me dissuading people from carrying a loaded handgun if they're drunk or high is, I don't really see any negatives there. <laughs> You know? Well, well, you know, the whole thing was that, that November 20th shootout. Right, right. The, the parties involved, the two people who were armed, had the presence of mind in one case to call an Uber. And I think in the other case, they had a designated driver. So when you think about it, they had the forethought to say, well, I'm going to be going out drinking, so I'm going to make sure I'm not driving. But at the same time, they didn't give a second thought to the fact that I'm carrying a loaded firearm with me and yeah. my judgment's going to be impaired. Yeah. Yeah. I can't follow that logic at yeah. all, man. Yeah. Yeah, you know? And, and um, to your earlier point, when someone that's a teacher or involved in uh, public education uh, is arrested, not convicted, but arrested, the state education department gets an automatic notification. So why couldn't we do that with pistol permits? Yeah, for real. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Really good point. Really so good the point. system's already in place. It just has to be copied uh, for, for, for uh, the pistol permit registry. Well, as someone who lives, you know, a stone's throw away from all this action with all my little kids, I appreciate everything you're doing. So well, thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for being as 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 great <laughs> as great as you were this was a very pleasant experience oh i'm glad to hear it our pleasure thank you so much commissioner we appreciate it okay enjoy thank the rest you. of the day thank you bye-bye hello most of, guests, most of our guests are repeat guests he was a first timer i know so now i think the only person we haven't had on now is commissioner golub we got to get his cute self on the cup podcast i'm gonna have to do a little shaming and tell him he's the uh, odd man out there he hasn't come on <laughs> Yeah. So now let's see. I think we have a comment. Do he's my neighbor. Uh, I'll uh, I'll harass him. Let's see. Um, we have one comment here from James. Ooh, long comment about Saratoga BLM. Are they actually an official local registered chapter of BLM or just a group calling themselves by the BLM name? Apparently, they can call themselves a nonprofit. But I've looked a lot of um. So I do I do not think they're um, an official local registered yeah. chapter. I think they just call themselves Saratoga BLM. I actually think that's how most of the BLM chapters are set up. I think very few are actually like registered and official. And I do not, they're not a uh, registered 501c3. Um, that's my understanding at least. So, at least locally, right? There probably are yeah. some around the country that might be, but not. Yes, yeah, some not around the country might be, but Saratoga BLM is not a 501c3. If they were a 501c3, they would have to publish their donations and how they're distributed and so on and so forth. And that information is not, we don't, we don't, we don't have that yeah. information. So. Yeah, I get the feeling there's no organization. It's more a movement than an organization. You know, it is an organization, but not an yeah. officially, uh, yes. officially registered one or sanctioned or, or whatever. And I think that's purposeful. They, they, there's no, you know, there's no like officially elected leaders. It, I think that's purposeful. Um, but um, I know we were supposed to have Abby on. What time is it? But I have not seen her. So I think um, she, she did text us. She did. Yes, I don't know that she got the link. Oh. Hmm. Um, well, I, I know you. Her. I know you sent it because I saw it, I but know. maybe she didn't get it. Well, it's one o'clock, so perhaps we can have oh. her on next week. Okay. Um, because I think we've just hit an hour. So should we wrap up with some cheers and jeers, Dan? What do you think? Uh, yes, uh, absolutely. Okay. You got, the, got the fancy banner for us? I do have, hold on, give me a second. I, I do, I think I should have it. 
Where are we? My one big animation. There it is. There it is. <laughs> all right. What do you have for us, sir? Okay. Well, it's it's a cheer and a jeer, right? Uh, all wrapped in one. Um, the scary limo crash, uh, mm. you know, such a horrific incident uh, to relive it through the trial. Uh, that That's, of course, the jeer part. They have a Saratoga connection with Mavis on South Broadway, oh, yeah. uh, doing a, a, apparently a, a fraudulent inspection and, and fraudulent and billing for work they never did, which was part of this case, um, you know, beyond a jeer, right? That's just, it just makes me want to puke to have a, especially to have a Saratoga connection with a, uh, and it's still there on, it's Broadway. Uh, the, the, that part of the story is not over for Mavis, right? The, the, there could be a Saratoga County, yeah. uh, uh, the DA's office could look for criminal action on that as well beyond that. But um, so to keep going, at least a bit of a uh, Naman Hussein, I'm probably saying his name wrong, minutes before we went on today, was just sentenced to the maximum of five to 15 years in prison. Not nearly enough uh, right. for, for causing that many deaths, um, but uh, it, it's, it's what the law allowed at this time. It's the maximum for, based on what he was convicted for. So, uh, you know, I, I can't even use your word cheer. How, how could you use but um, uh, especially because it's so underwhelming, it's a measure of justice. You know, thank God the jury came back with, with a guilty verdict or a guilty verdicts for, for all the victims. Um, but uh, it, it's just a, it's just, you know, it's something that makes your stomach sick. These poor families, mostly out of Amsterdam. Uh, so I, I, I won't classify anything there as a cheer or jeer, just kind of a news update with a, a sad Saratoga connection. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm glad the, the maximum was imposed though. You know, I mean, that's, that's, yes. yeah. I mean, the best circumstance you could ask for in the worst set of circumstances, I suppose. Yeah, good. Well stated. Yes. Yeah. Um, my cheer and jeer just completely went out of my brain. I guess I will say um, a cheer that we had on commissioner Montanino, who let's be honest, I have torn to shreds on this podcast. Um, Me too. Me too. Time and time and time again. So, you know, I I just will say that the reason we created the Saratoga podcast was so we could have civil dialogue and we could have agreements and disagreements, but create a space to do that um, with respect. And so I'm glad we were able to have him on today and have some productive conversation. You know, I think um, I think that's a really good thing. And I think it's something that we want to encourage and keep doing in the future. So I'm cheering. <laughs> I'm cheering us today, Dan. I'm cheering us today. You know, and the, and the commissioner, I believe, right? Yeah, and the commissioner, of course. Yes, yes, of course. And the commissioner for coming on and and taking a chance to come on and and join us today. You know, not knowing what the outcome was going to be. Um, although, who knows? If Adam had been here, it could have gone a totally different direction. You don't know. <laughs> yes. You don't know. Um, jeers! Oh, my jeer! I do have some jeers. I have got a jeer. Saratoga County and also Dan McCoy in Albany because their response to the migrants who there were two busloads of migrants who came up from New York City, New York City sent them up. The reaction from Dan McCoy has just been, in my opinion, total bullshit. It's been really reprehensible to read and hear, in my opinion. Um, you know, they're suing New York City over this. They said they were totally ambushed by it. It's just the reaction. They declared a state of emergency. Just all this, in my opinion, all this nonsense, political bullshit, virtue signaling, none of which has been truthful or honest. And, you know, the real deal is New York City is picking up the tab for the food, the shelter, the services necessary to house and help these folks. 
These are people that are fleeing their home countries because they could not survive or exist there. These are not people who are coming here to be opportunistic. These are not coming here. They, these are not people who are coming here to replace you, your jobs, take opportunities from you. They are people who are coming here so they can exist and live because they could not exist and live in their home countries. And, you know, I can't imagine that their dream was to come to Albany or Colony. Um, and they are not going to be here permanently. They are just trying to survive and hopefully end up somewhere where they can live and raise a family in a way that is safe and, you know, uh, doable. And they can put food on the table and a, and a roof of their head. So, you know, these are human beings that, in my opinion, we should be greeting with some grace and some humanity um, and not with lawsuits and, and fucking political nastiness. So that would be my jeer um, for the day. Damn wow. it. I know. And I know I'm going to get a lot of shit for that because that, that's fine. I, you, you, we, 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 we've all set our, our pieces on here and some people agree with us and some people disagree with us. Exactly. And mostly everybody's been cordial. Uh, even the, the ones that disagree, I've had some harsh words, but not, but still some level of respect from what I've seen anyway. You know where it gets the harshest on when I express some of these opinions on Twitter, that's where people can be gnarly. Twitter is oh, a yeah. nasty nasty place to live but you know what it's Twitter. But i'm saying this podcast when people oh, yeah. disagree with us it's been largely civil yeah no i completely i completely agree and you know what i i would like to think that's because we're civil in our disagreements and so you know you, you set the tone much like the city council they're not civil in how they fight and so people come to public comment and they're not civil in how they address the city council Good, well, well, good point. Good analogy. Thank you. Thank you. All right, sir. It's been a pleasure. Look at that. We we'll kept it under an hour. I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's under the hour. See you here. Same time, same place uh, next week. City council meeting, and it'll probably be uh, a full one because Commissioner Montanino mentioned that Bill will maybe go through a hearing. Uh, have some change, have some amendments, perhaps, and and so so there's going to be. Let's face it, it's Saratoga, folks. There's no city council meeting that isn't full anymore. It's going to be a big one too, especially because I know Saratoga BLM is planning to speak, come and speak out against the um, mm. back disappointment. So it'll be a big one. We'll be there. We'll be watching. We'll be listening, and we will be recapping it for you next Wednesday at noon. And you could find this podcast if you haven't watched it live today. It's on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Twitter. Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, it's all over the place. So if you haven't watched it here, subscribe to any of those, watch it where you find podcasts, and we will see you next week. Cool. Thank you. Bye, Dan. Bye-bye.